What's up everyone, Jonathan here with the VenueRx podcast. And if it's your first time joining us, consider subscribing. We are on a journey to hit 1000 subscribers in the next 60 days. So be a part of this journey with us and help us hit that goal. It means so much to myself and the rest of the team here at the VenueRx. I am here with a Temecula wedding photographer, Jenna Joseph, and I am so excited to have you here. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Uno, dos, tres. You're listening to the Venue RX podcast, where we provide your weekly prescription of tips, tools, tactics, and inspiration to start or grow your wedding and events business. And now, without further ado, our host, Jonathan Amen. What's going on, everyone? Jonathan here with the Venue RX podcast. I am here with a Temecula wedding photographer, Jenna Joseph, and I am so excited to have you here. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, I'm excited too. We've got a great show. You know, typically we do our wedding wheel portion at the end. And if anyone is listening for the first time or looking at the first time, looking at this the show for the first time, we are actually going to fast track that forward and do the wedding wheel portion first. So this is going to be a fun little thing. The wedding wheel is this guy back here. And basically what we do is we spin the wheel and we give you an opportunity to answer one of the questions here, but we're not going to have you answer the question right away. We're going to have you think about the answer. We're going to come back to it a little bit later on in the episode. So this is, it's kind of a fun thing. There's everything. I'm so nervous. <laughs> Don't I'm be nervous. I'm so bad at being on the spot. So I'm like, okay, cool. I have the whole, I have this whole time that we're talking and think about it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So there's everything from who is your celebrity crush, kind of a fun, silly one to some more meaningful ones, you know, like, um, what's a location that inspires creativity for you or what is the most underrated trait for an entrepreneur? So kind of a little bit of a variation uh, of questions. But let's go ahead and cool. give it a nice roll. That was a crappy roll. We're gonna do that again. All right. All right. This is a one that I'm super interested in and that I feel like we haven't asked anyone. Um, if you change states for your business, which state would you choose and why? All right. All right. You're like, I've got my answer already. Don't tell us. Don't I don't tell know. Us. I don't know. Okay. We'll see. What state and why? <laughs> All right. Awesome. All right. Well, so we will come back to that here in just a little bit, but, um, you know, Jen, I just want to jump in and I want to know how you got into the industry. You know, why, why wedding photography, why photography of all the different things to do in weddings, you know, where did this all start for you? Yeah. So my journey started, a long time ago when I was in high school, I didn't get into the elective of choice, which was guitar. I, I, got I was going to say, I was going to say, it can't be too long ago. You look so young, you know, I, <laughs> I do. I look really young. <laughs> I'm, I am going to be 32 next month. I keep, for, I keep forgetting. Um, That's you're amazing. Getting, well, yeah. Yeah. Once her you, skin routine like, will be available later on everybody. <laughs> It's, I just, it's called makeup. So I, actually I'm already like seeing my face age and I'm like, oh no, I'm getting old. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I didn't get into guitar class. I got into photo on my backup and I was like, oh, bummer. <laughs> and it turns out I just really fell in love with it. And at the time my brother was getting married and his photographer was also like the high school lead one of the high school leaders at our church. So she's like, Oh, do you want to, you know, like come along? She kind of took me under her wing. And after my first wedding, assisting her, I came home and I was like, I told everybody, this is what I want to do for a living. And a lot of people supported me all the way through my career. And some people were like, yeah, but what are you going to do to make money? Like you can't just 
be a photographer, you know, and that stuck with me in my head for a while. So I rerouted, went down the nursing path, went um, to become a nurse. And um, after going through art school for a while and whatnot, um, and then I moved back, I was doing some schooling in San Francisco. I moved back here to continue schooling for nursing. And that's when I started getting a lot of phone calls from past friends who were getting married. Hey, are you still taking pictures? And I was like, sure, I'll shoot your wedding. And it just kind of took off from there. I met people in the industry, started figuring out the business thing. And my business started to take off and I couldn't keep up with both. And I had to make a decision, which road am I going to take? And my husband was like, follow your dream. Like it's the perfect thing for our family. And if you want to be a mom, like it's so flexible. And so that's, that's how I got into it. Um, how did yeah. you, at what point did you get married? Cause you, you mentioned, so you were in San Francisco for college and then you came back here Were you, did you get married or meet your husband in San Francisco? Yeah, I met my husband right when I came back from San Francisco. So the story I just told you started in 2006 and now we're in 2021. Um, so it was quite a long um, several years <laughs> that I scrunched together. And I met my husband around 2011, 2012 is when we really started becoming friends. Got it. Very cool. Very cool. And, and that was up in San Francisco? That was right when I moved back down here. So I met him in Temecula. Okay. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. And you are a mother, correct? I, yeah, I, I was going to say I just became a mom. It's been 18 months, but it still feels like totally I just counts. became a mom. Justice. Yep. That's, that's, <laughs> I know the feeling. <laughs> yeah. That's really cool. So 18 yeah. months, boy or girl? Boy. His name's Aiden. I love it. I love it. So is, has there been a huge adjustment in your business and obviously pre COVID, but has there been a big adjustment in just how you, how you manage your workflow or you have really haven't seen a huge adjustment because of how flexible weddings are? I would say that my workflow has really set me up for success, but there's been a huge shift. So that hasn't changed too much. There's been a huge shift in my routines and my like flow of life. Um, so, you know, and, and I think that all comes down to really, for me, it's been a matter of, uh, like how can I, when and where can I fully devote myself to my clients and how does that look? And then when and where can I fully devote myself to my son and motherhood and family? Um, and so it's just been a matter of figuring out like boundaries, priorities, my limits, um, and stuff like that has, was that surprising to you at any point, you know, pre-motherhood, did you ever look at moms and go, you know, Oh, you know, that seems easy. I could do that. Or, Oh my gosh, I could never do that. And then, you know, were there parts of actually becoming a mother that just were really surprising to you? Yeah, I actually used to tell people I didn't want to have kids okay. <laughs> and I married this guy who's just the most amazing person with kids. Like he, that's just one of the reasons I fell in love with him. So I'm like, well, of course I have kids. You know, I wasn't that turned <laughs> off by it, but I, I did, I had these perceptions before motherhood, especially looking around and and figuring out what my values are. I, I, I like see a lot of stuff on Instagram about like mompreneur and mom, like hustle and stuff. And I was like, that's just not who I want to be. That's not what I feel like represents 
you know, my values and we all have different values and that's okay. But I really, if I want to, if I have kids, I just want to be there. Like I want to, I, I felt like if I became a mom, I'd only be good at one thing and I could only be good at one thing at one time. And so I just thought my business would probably just dissipate because I, if I had to choose business or motherhood, I would pick my baby over, over business any day. Um, but I really started thinking about this a few years before I got pregnant and really tried to think about how I could set myself up and my business up for, to continue this incredible career that I've, that I love and the business that I've built and also, um, scale back a little bit and have time with my son and feel like I'm really present. So I did some things to set myself up prior, but I also got pregnant before I was ready. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, I feel like many, many, that's, uh, definitely something that I've heard time and time again, <laughs> and really something that I've experienced myself, you know, uh, my wife and I, had our first son very early on. And, you know, you're definitely, I feel like it's hard to be ready. Like you're never really quite ready. And then you just do it. And then you figure it out along the way, kind of like entrepreneurship in a lot of ways. Um, but you know, I was going to ask, I feel like many women and I've seen my mom, you know, I was raised by many really strong women, you know, my grandmother, uh, my aunts, my, um, you know, sisters, I have four, three younger sisters and, you know, I feel like there's a, sometimes a struggle that happens again, depending on your values and kind of what you want for your life. There's a struggle between having a career and having a family and they oftentimes seem at odds. And, you know, was that some of the struggle that you had? Like when you saw like mom hustle, mom entrepreneur, you know, those things, did you feel like there was tension between those two and you didn't want to have that? Or did you want that? Were you looking to kind of do both? Yeah. The, the first, I definitely felt like there's a tension and I felt like the way that it was presented because, because we are in this time where everyone's like, show your real self self, show the mess behind the scenes and be authentic. Um, you know, the buzzword authentic of so many years, I, I saw this struggle and I just thought it looks like it looks like the trend is to be a mom that's like putting our business over her kids. And I may have been totally misunderstanding, but it just made me think about what I valued and what I wanted to do. And I didn't want to necessarily be hustling 40 to 60 hours a week if I had a baby. So, um, what I've learned as a mom in this season and it changes, like as seasons change, you know, you have to figure out and adjust all the time, especially when they're little and the seasons change so quickly, you know, the nap schedule changes and it's like, okay, got to figure out life again. (laughs) Um, (laughs) but what I figured out like is, you know, I build my whole, I I built my whole routine and how much I want to work and how many clients I want to take on coming back to motherhood. Um, first I had an indefinite maternity leave until I could figure out what I wanted to look like because I care so much about my wedding clients that I wanted to know if I promised to be a part of their journey that I was fully present for them and how many could I take on and how, like, what did that look like? Like when I'm, am I available to talk on the phone and not have a baby crying in the background? And then, um, something I just realized as far as Aiden and I goes, he and I both just need to get out and have 
things like our routine broken up. Like we can't just be doing the same thing every day. And we don't necessarily, I don't think it's necessarily the healthiest for him and I for to be together a hundred percent of the time. Like, so I found like it's healthiest and we're, we thrive best when he goes over to grandparents or, you know, family members twice a week. And so that's when I have full work days to really focus on myself and my business. And then anytime he's napping, I'm also working. And then I wake up like an hour or two before him and work. So that's just what I figured out works for me. And that was just figuring out like what's healthy for us. And, you know, Um, that's, that's, I love that you pointed that out. You know, I was actually going to ask you about what routines and habits do you have that set yourself up for success juggling motherhood with your business? Cause I'm sure you have some things you have to do kind of, kind of like some of those things that you just mentioned, are there any other routines or maybe little hacks that you'd, uh, you'd recommend? Just kind of going back to my routines and stuff. I, I feel like just really s- boundaries, like setting setting aside time for work and setting aside time for motherhood has been really important to me and also consistency because then I know when I can schedule calls and meetings and I can, um, my clients can come to expect, you know, like a consistency in my availability and stuff, which I think is really important for the customer experience. I, I get back to them really quick in email, but, um, I also have certain days that I do calls usually and I'm flexible too. I can always, you know, I, I, I'll call my mom who lives like walking distance. We walk over there. She's so close. Yeah. And I'll just be like, Hey, what are you doing? Like, can I do a client call? Can I just drop eight enough? You know? (laughs) Um, so it's nice, but as I don't know, there's just, I think, I think, um, motherhood, figuring out like how to balance motherhood and entrepreneurship has been really interesting, but I think I've been on a journey of becoming as self-aware as I can, because I think it really helps me to figure out how to live a better life and be a better person to other people. When I'm more aware of, um, how I can improve, you know, like my mental state, I, it's a lot easier for me to be more kind and patient and at peace and joyful with other people, especially the people closest to me. It's really easy to be professional at a wedding when everything's going crazy. If, you know, if you're in the wedding industry and that's what you love, not everybody is, is about that, but we are here. Um, but it's like you get home and then it kind of all comes off. All of our stress can hit the people that's closest to us. So I, and um, you know, you know, I actually think that even, um, not even people in the wedding industry, but whether you're a freelancer, whether you are, regardless of where you're at, it's kind of easy, I think, to be nice and be professional to people who you aren't interfacing with on a daily basis, but then you get that comfortability level with your spouse or your kids. And so then, you know, it's so easy to not be patient. And like you said, there's the snowball of all the stress that maybe you're not going to express to a coworker at work, or, you know, like you said, someone at a wedding, but it's all there. The stress is all there. So you get home and it's just like this dump sometimes. And so that's really, really cool. Have there been some things that you found to be really effective to kind of recenter you, help you be more self-aware and kind of understand how you're impacting those closest to you in context of that? Yeah, I think, you know, my husband and I have 
a really good communication, I think, when it comes to that. And he just knows, like, when I get home from a wedding, he's like, do you need to go take a shower with your wine? Like, you know, and um, that was pre-baby. Now I have to get him in bed and, you know, figure that out. But um, we, I really just have, I really have learned that I need to be really self-aware about what my limits are and know when I'm in the middle of something that's stretching me, this is stretching me. So how can I think through this in the future, whether it's scheduling less or maybe not taking certain jobs or um, whatever it may be. And then also self-care. And this was a big buzzword, but I think that I think it can get misconstrued sometimes as like, I've seen people using those terms self-care and like, Oh, you know, I don't feel so great. So I'm going to cancel my meetings and go take a nap because I'm self-employed or whatever. I know, I know not everybody does that, but we can, we can all. I've been there. Understand that. I've yeah. I've totally been there. And some you feel like you kind of have that. I don't want to say out, but you kind of feel like you have that ability because you do work for yourself. Absolutely. So, so keep going. How, how did you kind of, what's yeah, your so point? I think that it's really important for us to think about that in the beginning so that we really can show up and stretch ourselves further when it's necessary, especially because we're in the wedding industry and we're working with these people who are already so stretched and they need us to be there for them. And, um, we're going to work a lot of the vendors, depending on what kind of vendor you are, we have really long days, physically and mentally exhausting. So we need to show up 100%. So I think it's really important to, to schedule in time to take care of yourself on the beginning, um, on the forefront. And so I just do that every day. I have, I know that I need to you know, I have a certain amount of time alone. I'm very introverted. I'm very social, but I'm very introverted. I needed, I need to like recoup on alone and like have my me time. And I know I need to have a certain amount of time where Aiden goes and he plays with family members and I can organize my brain. I'm really, um, a mental mess. If the room is a disaster, it really affects my brain. Um, so I feel like, we have so many listeners that can probably relate to that. I know I'm right there with you. I mean, if my desk area is a mess, if everything is a mess for me, that immediately translates to a lot more noise in my brain. And sometimes starting with a kind of a clean slate or a clean desk just, just makes all the difference. So I absolutely can relate to you. Do you know your Enneagram number by chance? You know, I don't. And I heard you the other day talking on Clubhouse. I briefly popped into a room and I also was listening to a podcast that my wife turned me on to uh, that was talking all about that. And I have no idea, but I'm definitely interested in that. And I need to like dig into that world a little bit more. Yeah, I, I'm wondering because um, not to say that everybody who has that issue is a three, but I'm a three and it's definitely a three thing to be very much affected by the environment that you're in. <laughs> well, I, three is my favorite number. So if that helps, I mean, I'm very excited. If I'm a three, then that's awesome for me. I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. I need to figure out what your number is. Cause I think, I don't know. There's so many things I know about you where I'm like, I wonder if he is a three. It's just the three is like a very, um, like a go-getter very much like about achievement and accomplishments. And like, um, I don't know, there's a lot of different 
there's a lot of, I don't want to talk too long. We could talk all day about the Enneagram, but <laughs> you have to tell me your number when you find out. Okay, I will. And now I feel like anyone who's watching this is going to be curious. So I will have to probably publicly post the number somewhere. Maybe I'll make a little Instagram story and we'll, you we'll should. do it as follow up from this. But um, <laughs> well, Jenna, I, I love the way that this conversation is going. You know, I, I do want to talk about venues and kind of some of those vendor relationships that I feel like are, are so important as you're building your business. And I'd love to hear your reflections about that. But I really love that we were able to get into this side. And I feel like we could have an entire separate podcast, literally just talking about the emotional health side of things and, you know, balancing routines and schedules. And for me, the big thing for this year has been putting micro goals in place that result in a process that allows me to accomplish a big goal in the end. And it's, it's tough because I feel like in the past, in past years, I've spent all this time setting goals, but I haven't really spent a lot of time deciding what are the steps? What are the habits that I need for the steps? And that was really, really cool to hear from you. Some of those steps that you use, some of those habits that you have taking your me time, um, you know, self-care, personal care. I, I love that. And the forethought that goes into that, I know means that you can just be that much more effective as a mom and as a businesswoman and as a wife and all these other different hats that you wear. So, um, totally, totally love that. Let's transition really quick. Let's talk about, you know, the vendor relationships. And if someone's listening to this, there may be a new photographer kind of new in the game. What are some things that you feel like are the most impactful things that you did early on in your career? Um, maybe when you got back to it, got back into it, right? Um, what are some of the most impactful things that, that you did that you feel like you could share with others? Yeah, I love this question. I think it's so important. You know, a lot of photographers who are getting into weddings are so focused on trying to figure out how to get more clients that they forget that building or just don't know yet probably because they don't have that experience that building those relationships with those other vendors can help that so much. And beyond that, just having that community support is amazing. There's so many, that's not the only reason why I have vendor relationships. I have some of my best friends in the industry and we hang out and whatnot. Um, I think the biggest thing was having the attitude of how can I help you um, going into the wedding on the beginning side during the wedding day. And especially after as a photographer, I hear from so many vendors how hard it can be to get photos from photographers and that's your marketing. So uh, I, I also hear on the photographer side, some people have more of a shoot and share model where they're like, you pay me for a service and for my time. And I price that accordingly. And I'm, they're not as emotionally attached to the digitals. And then some photographers, which we're seeing this less and less, um, are more attached to pay, like have being, um, charging per image and whatnot. So there is a lot of emotion that goes behind that for a photographer. There's also the email side of things where photographers just sometimes, um, some of us are a little bit more overwhelmed with editing and can't manage the inbox as well. And it, I, I empathize with that, but I just want to encourage um, every photographer out there in the wedding industry to take care of the other vendors, because that's where you can build relationships and really 
um, help each other out and refer to each other and also be a better photographer on the wedding day, knowing what the florist needs from you and what the ven venue needs from you and the caterers and the DJ and how we can set them up for success. And when we set them up for success, they're going to be like, Hey, what do you need? You know, naturally. How, um, as another wedding vendor, how do you like to be, uh, worked with? Right. If someone's a florist or there's a venue or there's the DJ and they want to reach out to their photographer that was at any of their weddings or events, you know, is there a certain way that you like being approached that can really uh, result in, you know, you cementing that relationship? I don't. That's a hard question because I feel like I'm pretty low key. Like I'm pretty I'm pretty good with the flow and flexible with other vendors and how they are. And, you know, I think just if you're a kind person and professional, then that's, that's great. You know, do you, do you think other photographers are like that too? Or are you just awesome? I think other, I think a lot of us are creatives in the wedding industry, right? Okay. So I, and photographers <laughs> included, and I think sometimes, I think sometimes photographers, cause I'm in a lot of photographer groups um, and, you know, people will have more intimate conversations in there just between photographers. And I read a lot and I don't agree with everything all the time, but I think sometimes we can get a little too emotionally attached to, um, our creative process or, or our photos. And, and instead of thinking about how we're serving our clients and the vendors around us. Mm -hmm. And I think that is really pivotal to our success as, as a photographer and a business owner. You know, I want to ask you a question about that in your creative process, because I find that videographers, photographers, um, really anyone who's highly creative is, is they're focused on doing their best work. And I think that is incredible. And I think there's so much beauty that's created there, but then I see that as a direct kind of juxtaposition to stuff that you hear maybe Gary V or these other people say, that's like, you know, the volume matters, you know, and in this saturated social media driven world that we all live in, it definitely seems to be a volume game, not just a, a quantity or a quality game, right? It is quality, uh, quantity rather. And so how do you as a business owner juggle what must be your passion behind delivering beauty? And then this idea and this maybe pressure that you need to get a lot of content out to kind of compete in this, in this very busy, noisy world. Yeah. I have a clarifying question for you. Would you say quantity as far as clients and volume of clients or quantity as far as how much content I'm putting out and how many photos I'm delivering in a gallery? It's, it's totally the quantity of the pictures that you're putting out, whether that's posts on Instagram for your own business, as you're trying to grow your brand, whether that is uh, photos that you're giving, you know, it's like 600 pictures to the client versus 400 versus 200. How do you, how do you weigh the quality versus quantity discussion? Yeah, I think that really goes to the photographer's style as a photographer. The reason being some photographers are more fine art and some photographers are more photojournalistic. And so what that means is when I'm photographing a wedding, I may spend more time uh, at the wedding setting up a shot and making sure that it looks phenomenal. The lighting is amazing and everything is just down to the very detail. So perfectly styled. That's more of a fine art approach and a photojournalistic approach would be to um, 
give the clients a direction and an action to do and shoot, 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 shoot. And so that results in more or less images and clients are typically going to see um, which style they're wanting when they're looking at galleries as they're looking at different photographers um, and kind of get a feel for what they're going to expect. So um, I definitely, I definitely shoot a lot more. And this is also controversial topic in the photography industry. Like don't give too many photos or, you know, you should really curate. And I'm like, every moment is so important to my couples. Like as a bride, I wanted to see every moment, even if it was like somebody dancing and spinning around and there were three photos, like I want to see all three photos of that, you know, it's so, it's so exciting. So I'm on the side of quantity, but, um, there's, I mean, we could talk for a long time about that because there's also the business side of it and, mm -hmm. um, you know, time spent editing the higher quantity and all that stuff. But I think style definitely plays into the quantity of images people are getting. And as far as output for social media, um, I mean, I think, I think everyone can kind of agree with Gary on that, like content, like content, 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 put, put more out. Do you struggle though with, with, cause your feed is completely beautiful. And I always actually am very, um, I just am kind of in awe of people who are able to keep a really nice, wonderful looking feed from the feed page. My feed, if you look at it on Instagram is a complete disaster, you know, different colors, videos here. It's just a complete mess. And you'll kind of see that on Gary V's page too. It looks like someone, you know, just threw up all over the page versus other people who are very, very creatively driven or, you know, making sure there's maybe three posts in a row or everything's color coordinated in a cross or, a, you know, like black, white posts, you know, alternating. Um, do you, do you struggle with kind of the posting of that? I see you nodding here. <laughs> All right. Now I, now I understand more specifically what you're asking. And yes, absolutely. And I will tell you, um, I'll, first of all, I think it's awesome that you aren't going crazy on curating your feed because it's not necessarily you. I don't think, I mean, it doesn't no. seem like it's you, um, as a photographer there's, and who I am as a person, I have tried even on, like, I have a secret personal page for my son and just family members are on there. There's like 20 followers. And I was like, Oh, cool. I can have an ugly feed. No, nope, nothing. This doesn't matter. It's just, and when I just posted anything, I was, I'm like, I want to throw up looking at this <laughs> because I'm so artistic. I, even though nobody else is going to see it, I don't want to look at it. So I, yeah, I mean, I definitely care about, it's just who I am. It's who I am as a person. I'm an artist and I like things that are visually appealing and I really take joy and pride in putting things together. So the feed is like an, an extension of my creative expression mm -hmm. at the same time, like Gary Vee's right. I believe Gary Vee's right in that like content, you know, you need to be putting it out and I wouldn't say that it's necessarily the curating that would slow me down. It's actually like this whole other emotional thing in my brain sometimes where I get like blocked off from being able to write. Mm, okay. So captions, actually writing, engaging captions are kind of like expressing how you, you are feeling or what that picture means to you or the message you want to convey. I think, I think I want to be fully true to myself and to everybody else when I'm writing. And 
I feel that my brand is very much about joy and peace and um, like optimism, realism, Mm -hmm. optimism. Um, That's just, that's just who I am as a wedding photographer. And I struggle with, you know, just going back to kind of mental health stuff. I have battled. um, I go through waves of maybe feeling depressed or maybe really deep thinking about what's going on in the world. And I really am a deep thinker. So I'm like, well, or if I have like a bad day, I'm like, well, I can't write anything right now genuinely because like this other thing is going on in my head. And the answer to that is, creating content and scheduling your posts ahead mm-hmm. of time. That's like the business thing to do. So that's more of what would like block me from posting more, like so much more content, mm-hmm. you know, I want to, I want to ask a question. I know we said we were going to move to the venue and vendor side of things, but you know, I can't help asking this question just about the mental health side of things during quarantine and during this time when there's all these reschedulings, there's all this like really emotional stuff that's happening in your business. And then everything that's going on in the world with this crazy political season that we've had with all of the social activism, with the whole Black Lives Matter movement and like everything else. Was it hard for you to um, like, how, how did you feel? Because it seems like you really are, like you said, a deep thinker and this stuff impacts you. Was it, did you just kind of want to just not be on social media for a little while? Cause there was so much noise and so much, uh, so much tension, or did that kind of give you clarity that you really wanted to put a message out there of positive, like optimistic realism? I really feel, I I've thought about this a lot and I really feel strongly that I want to be a part of the conversation um, and I really want to talk about these things. And I feel very strongly that our business social media pages are not necessarily the best outlet. That doesn't mean that, you know, there's a lot of people arguing, you know, you politics and business can't be separated. And a lot of people pushing for that and that business is political and the wedding industry is political. And I understand that, that point. I think that we, there's a time and a place for these delicate conversations and they can be very easily misconstrued when we're posting a caption or quickly resharing a short meme when there's so many more layers to it and people can say, yes, but what about this? Yes. What about that? Or, you know, there's so many layers and so many things that are intertwined politically. And maybe we agree on a value, but we don't necessarily agree on the political, how, uh, the policy, like how to fix the problem. And that's where people can be like, well, we don't agree on anything. And it's like, we do. So I think there's a lot of misunderstandings that can happen with posts on social media. Whereas clubhouse, this new thing is so cool because people can hear tone and we're having human conversations and going back to, you know, treating people like humans and also being able to really engage in these very important matters. So I struggled with Instagram because I'm like, I want to jump in this conversation. And it's so important at the, at the same time. I'm like, I, our brains are not wired to communicate through interface. We mm-hmm. literally our neurons fire differently when we talk on that platform, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's I think, where I felt. I think that's really wise, but I also feel like that's a very controversial opinion in a lot of ways, but I love that you brought it up because I feel like it, it is a very wise approach. You know, I, I would tend to agree with you 
You know, if we are serving our clients in a certain way, we're almost doing them a disservice by, you know, creating a polarizing discussion. You're right. It does need to happen. Those conversations do need to happen, but they don't need to happen right there on the platform and talking about wedding photography or talking about venues or staffing or, you know, whatever, whatever the case is, DJ stuff, florists. Um, certainly there are those businesses that are, that are geared more towards that, but you're right. The conversations do need to happen. And I love that you said that. I think that people who are very passionate about that, who want to engage in the discussion can go find these other outlets, can go join other groups, can go have a voice and really communicate what they're passionate about without completely wrapping their brand up in a certain issue, which I've certainly seen happen over, over this time period. Um, yeah, I totally agree with you. And it's definitely it, like, it, again, it's one of those deep, th- deep, deep conversations that we don't have enough time for on yeah. one podcast episode, but I will say, um, I think it's really important. And I, I have, I have joined in the conversation on some of these topics. I just, feel so limited. You know what I mean? And I think it's really important, especially, um, just with certain issues to talk about it. Um, and I also am very open-minded and listening to, um, other people. I think that's where we learn. So having these kinds of discussions and going back and forth and I'm like, Oh yeah, that's a really great point. And my husband's always encouraging me. Like he uses social media a lot more than I do for these conversations. So we kind of like have these like back and forths and he's grown me a lot in that area. That's cool. Yeah. Being able to, to engage in a discussion that allows you and being open-minded enough to certainly have your values, but be willing to critically think about the issues that are being brought up. And if there's no reason, I mean, we all have our preconceptions about, about different, different topics. And some of those preconceptions are based on things that may not be correct. Right. And so giving ourselves the space for personal growth and just giving that to others as well, I think is, is really, really important. Um, yeah. And so, I will say, I, I, I think DMing and like face-to-face like zooms and stuff have been really cool, like very helpful, like yeah. DMs. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree. Um, okay. So I wanted to ask one more question about the venues before we get into the wedding wheel answer. Um, and and we're gonna have to go back, back to that. But my question about the venues or as a venue, you know, working with a photographer, are there things that you feel a venue can do to make your job as a photographer easier or just easier from an aesthetic point of view for their clients and the couples they work with? Yeah. I love this question. This is a, something that a photographers talk about all the time between each other. And so I actually went um, to one of my photography communities and I was like, you guys, like, I want to represent more than just my, my own preferences and my style. Um, but we can all have the same things in common. So I'll tell you some of the lists. One of, one of the things that's really big is the bridal suite. Um, so there are some things that you know, some venues have nice, bright or big windows, and that makes all the difference in the world in photos for um, getting ready, which is really important to brides. I, I think brides even take that into consideration when they're booking their venue, depending on the bride. Uh, so having really big windows, the more the better is always awesome. Um, neutral walls are great because the wall color, um, it will bounce 
onto skin. I've shot in a place with green walls before. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking which colors would be the worst. I feel like green or reds, maybe. Orange was, <laughs> was rough. <laughs> the, uh, those made really great black and white photos. <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So those are some great things. Um, lots of space in the bridal suite is really helpful. And also, uh, maybe if there's, if there's photos hanging up in there, at least the ability to that it's okay that we maybe take them down. Um, cause brides don't necessarily want to have other couples weddings photo or their wedding photos in the background. So just blank walls are incredible for photography. So those are some things that are really awesome for photos. So just to ready. recap, and I wanted to make sure I was hearing you correctly, having a bridal suite that's kind of like this blank canvas that you and the bride together can create art instead of art being everywhere and kind of like extra stuff, decorations on the walls, like that might be cool, but it allows you a blank space allows you the room to go in and, and use your creativity with the different lines that are you know, in, in the room and all that. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. I would clarify too, that decorations can be awesome. If it goes with the theme of the wedding, like chandeliers for some venues that that's awesome. Um, sometimes there's mirrors in there, you know, to hang the dress on like couches, um, maybe a beautiful bed. If it's a really big suite with a bedroom, um, but having a blank wall somewhere near a window is a huge bonus because that does allow an area for a blank, a blank space to create. But we definitely have to have furniture in there for logistics, getting ready and all that stuff. And that can be beautiful and uh, decorated and styled with the style of the venue. I love that. I love that. So for any venue owners out there listening, for any venue operators like myself, um, we're working on our bridal suite right now. Our, at our other venue, we have a, a pretty good bridal suite, a lot of blank walls. Um, but at this newer one, it, we don't have a bridal or groom suite yet. And so we're really wanting to be very thoughtful about how we, how we design it because, you know, we get to start you know, from scratch. So that's a really, really good word. And I'm going to remember that. Um, all right. So we should pivot and go back and talk about our wedding wheel and the answer to the question, what state would you move to if you needed to move your business and why? All right. So I think I'm going to go with Tennessee. All right. Okay. Um, that was a tough, that was a tough question. The reason being is I have a lot of wedding friends in the South and the food is great. Uh, I just love the warmth, like out in the South of the warmth of the industry is so warm and so loving and hospitable. Southern and, hospitality. Absolutely. Was there yes. a runner up that was also in the South or was your, it was the two things you were deciding about totally separate? I love Charleston. It's awesome. So maybe, maybe out in that area, I, I went with with not, uh, Tennessee ultimately, because so many people I know are moving there and I'm like, it'd be fun to go, <laughs> go hang out with everybody I already know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it, tough. It's a tough call. It, it totally is a tough call. We've, we've thought about Texas. We've thought about, um, kind of all the, the fan favorites that I think you see popping up. I, I'm in a couple different groups on Facebook about moving from California to different places. And the conversations are always kind of funny. 
Um, but all right. Well, our next segment of the show is called left at the altar. And this is just like a business mistake a business failure, maybe something that you experienced early on that in hindsight, looking back, you know, you would, you know, not do, or, or maybe counsel your younger self to do differently. Is, is there anything like that, that you could share as far as a learning experience? Yeah. Um, I actually had two things in my head. So I'm going to go with I'm going to go with the one that I think will be a better takeaway for everybody else and has to do with a good problem I had. Um, One of my, a few years ago, I booked up to my max capacity that I set for myself before the year started. And I thought that was a good thing, but my sister is in the hospitality industry. I actually have a background in that too. And she does revenue. Uh, she's a revenue consultant for these hotels and sets prices. And something she told me years ago that has always stuck in my brain as a business owner is that if everybody's saying yes to your price, you're too cheap. And I thought like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. I'm booking up. I'm I'm meeting my business, my booking goals so quickly, but I had an entire year that I had to say no to incredible weddings because I was at the time I thought I was overbooked. Now looking back, I could have just expanded, but that's a whole nother conversation. And, um, if I would have slowly raised my prices, I I have a question about that really quick. So you then had to say no to a bunch of weddings that came up that were actually willing to pay you more because you felt like you were too low. I actually was priced pretty, I, I would say based on the market, I was priced pretty, a a little bit in the high mid to high range. Okay. But I had so many people saying yes to my price that the market was showing that I could have gone higher. The market determines our value, right? Not, it's not about, what our neighbors charging. Um, so I could have slowly raised my prices when I was booking really fast to accommodate for the speed, you know, supply and demand and pricing are also, uh, interrelated. So if I had done that, I could have slowed down my booking a little bit and slowly raised my prices to see where, what the market decided that I was worth at that time, based on how I was communicating my worth, right. Through my branding and my messaging. Um, so I definitely, and I see a lot of photographers, uh, posting like they're already booked for a year before we're in January or December. And I'm like, Oh my goodness, there's so many missed opportunities. So I think looking back, I would tell myself like, that's awesome. Good for you. Like you're booking really fast, but there are some things to consider. You're missing out on so much other business or an opportunity to elevate your brand or whatever it is, you know, that's a huge tip. That's uh, I, I feel like that's something that I learned the hard way as well in, in my business and just going through that process. I definitely, if someone asked me that question, it would be a very similar, similar answer. Um, well, Jenna, thank you so much for sharing, you know, your heart on your, you know, business about, you know, these personal things that that we've talked about. Um, I feel like you have so much to give and so much to offer, not only to new photographers, but just also, um, new business people in the wedding and event space. And there's so many corollaries between what we do here in, in this industry 
and other industries as well. And so um, I know you have generously offered a, a, a 60 minute business consultation, uh, correct? To yes. anyone who's listening to this show and is, is interested in having you help coach them. And, and there's so much value that's packed into this. I know if I had someone like you helping at the beginning of my business, I would have avoided so many mistakes and you certainly have so much experience. So, um, I would like to do a little bit of a giveaway. I want everyone who is listening to this, uh, either on the podcast format or on YouTube to go ahead and follow Jenna. So she is on Instagram, uh, at Jenna underscore photo. And we actually are going to have all of her uh, links and everything here. You're going to see them on the screen, of course, but then also they are going to be in the bio. So uh, all the information is going to be there, but go ahead, give her a follow, make sure you're following us on the venue RX here as well. And, uh, you'll be entered to win. We're going to be picking that once Jenna's episode drops. So we're going to do that about a week later. So we are going to be talking about that again, but if you are listening to that, make sure you're following both Jenna and the venue RX and uh, you'll be entered to win. And, you know, it wouldn't help hurt to DM us to make sure that, that uh, your entry is in there and we are considering you for the running. So yeah, Jenna, thank you so much for anyone who's listening out there. I think this is going to be a huge uh, help and a lot of value. And, um, thank you for that. Speaking of coaching, are you talk to me a little bit about that? Are you starting to expand in that direction and take on coaching clients? Yeah. I mean, I, I've been, I've been helping business owners. I mean, if you're, if you love to teach, you do it, you do it just organically Mentoring. throughout Absolutely. your life. Right. Yeah. So it's just a passion and I've been doing it for so long, but I haven't really talked about it on on the forefront of my brand much. So it's just something I'm kind of opening up, um, for a more formal re business relationship with people who really want help and want somebody committed to them for a certain time time frame. Definitely. And I'm really excited to be doing that more with my time. Cause it's, it fires me up seeing other people succeed at their goals. Definitely. Do you prefer a certain, uh, a client in a certain industry, maybe, um, specifically photographers or can it be anyone in the wedding and event space or just anyone in general? Do you kind of have a preferred client? Yeah. Service-based and, uh, entrepreneur, entrepreneurs. And I really work really well with creative visionaries who have all of these amazing business ideas, but they just aren't sure how to map them out. And they need somebody to help them put together an action plan and really figure out how to get started. There are so many people who are in that place. Uh, and I also love to help them figure out how to bring in more clients or streamline their workflow and get organized. Those two things are huge. Of course, every business needs clients, but you know, it's almost that second discussion of like, once you have the clients, what do you do with them? Are you set up to efficiently deal with them? Is there a th well thought out process? And so that's, that's powerful. That's really, really cool. All right. We're going to wrap up this episode with our new segment that we've been adding in the last couple episodes. Um, I'm, I'm bummed. I didn't ask Bethel, Nathan or Megan Ely, but I asked, uh, Michelle Garibay and we had Courtney Tibbetts on just a bit ago and they had some, they had some pretty funny ones. So this segment of the show is called, Oh my gosh. And, um, or, Oh my God, we haven't totally decided what it's going to be yet, but this is something that you've seen at weddings that you are just like, Oh my God, what is going on here? What is happening? Maybe it's a vendor fail. Maybe it's something, you know, pretty wild that happened with one of the guests at the party. Do you have any uh, salacious, dramatic uh, stories for us about anything that happened uh, at any of the weddings you shot? You know, it's really funny. And I don't know if you want me to answer it this way, but when you first told me about the OMG or whatever you decide to call it, I thought it was like any 
kind of like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this happened scenario. And I was thinking it was more about, I was like, I had an embarrassing moment. <laughs> hey, it could be your embarrassing moment if you wanted to, but or you know, I guess it was a funny looking it, back, like, oh, share, experience. share whatever, whatever you'd like. Not um, so much embarrassing, but, um, I, I don't think it actually answers your question, but I'm just going to tell the story wow. now. Yeah, yeah. So I was working a wedding, uh, with Mike, of C squared events. Mm -hmm. And we were working at the stone house, Temecula Creek. And, and it was, you know, we're in Temecula, like never rains. And we had, uh, it, it was not, I don't think it was in the forecast to rain that day. I'm trying to remember the details of the weather report, but it was a day where a lot of people in the industry had, who had weddings that day were not prepared for the rain. And it came flooding in like, we went from no rain in our mind to like downpour, torrential downpour. And we were all outside. I think it was around 150 guests at TCI and there's nowhere to go except the stone house, which is not built for 150 guests. <laughs> and so the vendors were all eating their dinner. We just got dinner and Cherish actually Cherish was there, I think with, I don't think Lindsay was there of Larev. It was Cherish and um, an assistant they hired. And she pulls up the sap and she's like, Oh, uh, the rain's coming in like five minutes. We gotta, we gotta go. And I think Mike actually had, had it in his head within a few minutes before that. If I remember correctly, this is a few years ago. So we kind of just all got word that the rain was coming. And <clears throat> so she said, rain's coming in like five minutes. And I'm sitting there like stuffing my face. And I was ravenous that day. And I don't, I didn't know why at the time. Um, and it turns out I was like a week pregnant, <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah. But I didn't know it. So anyways, the rain comes pouring in and we run over and Mike for a couple of months made fun of me, how I was like taking a few extra bites of my food before I ran after. And I got there in time. I had everything ready to go before I sat down. So you're eating for um, two. I mean, come on. No one knew at the time. I love it. Yeah, but we ran over and we were doing speeches in the torrential downpour and every it was the coolest. They were the coolest couple and they had the coolest crowd because instead of people freaking out, they were just laughing hysterically. Well, the sweet maid of honor was trying her best to keep going with her speech and she's the sweet soul. She wasn't like a, a comedy expert. So she's just laughing and like keeps reading and it's downpour and everyone's laughing and, and they, nobody knows what to do, but laugh. And finally, Mike just grabs the mic, Mike grabs the mic and he's like, everyone to the stone house and everyone just runs in laughing and it's still pouring. And all of our gear is just getting flooded with, with rain. And we all got inside and the music was off, but Mike still made it a good party somehow with no music. Cause he's that good. And, uh, we packed in there and the rest of the night was great, but he made fun of me for a couple months about having to stuff my face in the middle of that moment <laughs> running over. And I'm like, I don't think I ever told him, but I'm like, I was, I was pregnant and I, I've never been that hungry in my life. <laughs> so I took like two extra bites before I ran. Two extra bites. That's completely reasonable. That's, I love that. That's awesome. Well, I did a great um, job still. <laughs> rain in Temecula you're totally right working having worked up there before it's like a complete anomaly um 
So that's, that is wild. That's a very good story. I feel like there are going to be quite a few vendors that can relate to that. Um, Jenna, thank you so much for coming on the show here and just sharing with us your experience and how you've grown in the industry. And I'm so excited to see what you do, what you continue to do with your business, with the uh, coaching, with your photography business, of course, and all the other things that you're working on. And, you know, for everyone out there, make sure that you're following Jenna, you're following us here, uh, that you're, you're signed up to enter to win that 60 minute coaching call. It is going to be well worth the time. And, uh, what a better thing to do than to get some practical advice from someone who's, you know, done it, who's walked the walk, who's actually built a successful business. And, uh, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. It's been a pleasure talking. Thank you so much for having me. It was fun. Yeah, of course. All right, everyone. Thank you for uh, checking out this episode. It is going to be online here in another couple weeks. So keep an eye out for that and make sure you're subscribed to our channel as well. We are trying to make that thousand subscriber uh, goal here in the next two months. So subscribe, uh, comment, and we will see you all in the next episode.